listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. All right, guys, you can have a seat. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate that. Well, hey, tonight we are wrapping up our Liar Liar series. Uh, This has been something that I hope has been beneficial to you. Some of you, you, um, you, you've loved this series. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, eight weeks. I can't believe we're still in it. Um, don't worry. This is the last night, but I've, I've enjoyed it. And there's been some, some weeks where, um, I've wrestled. I thought, man, I hope this really hits everybody where, where we're at. I hope I can communicate. Hey, this is a lie I've struggled with too. And what I want to do real quick is I just, I have our podcast pulled up. Um, here are the different lies that we've looked at. And for those of you that are new, um, the, the approach that we have from a Christian worldview is that um, God is, is, is full of truth. God does not lie. Anything that he says and he does is, is true and, and good. And there is evil in the world. There is um, the being known as, as Satan or the devil, and he is called the father of lies. And what he likes to do is he likes to get in our heads and in our culture and in our world and stir up lies, and even in, even in the church, even amidst Christians. And so we've looked at common lies that even Christians believe. And so the first week we looked at this lie that you are in control of your own destiny. And we, we answered that with that God is in control. You don't have to white knuckle yourself all the way through life trying to do it on your own. God has a, a plan for you and wants to lead you in that. And then there's the lie that we looked at that God won't give me more than I can handle. And we talked about, no, the truth is, is that God won't give you more than what he can handle through you. That God, in your difficulties, in your struggles, he wants to show you how powerful and awesome he is. He doesn't want you depending on himself. He wants to show you how great he is as he works through you. Then the next slide we looked at is that the church exists to entertain me. (laughs) That was a fun one that that I had. The church does not exist to entertain us. The church exists to equip us, to make us and help us to grow, to look more and more like Jesus in, in all that we do and to know what this life is about, to know our purpose, why we're here. The next week we did the popular lie that God doesn't care who I date. God doesn't care who I date. And we said as, as Christians, God does care who you date. He wants you to date someone else who's also following Jesus, that's running the same race of faith, to not be unequally yoked. And then we talked about the lie that when it comes to boundaries and dating, just do what feels right. And we looked at the, the well-known proverb that, man, we, we don't want to just do what feels right. We want to see very clear warnings that Scripture gives us and, and, and what can happen in relationships when there's sexual attraction and, and, and that we need to be careful with that and, and realize that God and the way that he's designed man and woman to, to flourish, that he's designed us to express all of our sexual desires in the context of marriage between one man and one woman. And then last week, we looked at the lie, we're too smart to read the Bible. We're too smart to read the Bible. We're not too smart to read the Bible. If anything, the truth is we need the Bible now more than ever because the Bible is God's truth for us, ancient truth um, that has not changed because he will never change. And hopefully you are inspired and encouraged to not look at your Bible as something that just sits on the shelf and collects dust, but something that God wants to use to speak through you. Y'all still tracking? So tonight, as we wrap up, I 
think a lot of you are going to be like, I don't know if I believe that lie, but I, I would go to the bank with this that we feel this way. And it's really a layered lie. The first layer goes like this. The lie says, God could never forgive me of that. God could never forgive me of that. Fill in the blank. Most people in this room, even if you've learned the truth (laughs) that, hey, God actually is merciful and gracious and can forgive, that you probably, when I said that, God can't forgive me of that, thought of something in your mind. You maybe thought of the sin you're most ashamed of, something in your life that you struggle with. And that's not the lie that we're going to put on the screen. We're going to do that in just a minute. I think, though, that struggling with whether or not God can forgive something maybe is more of a position of hopelessness that you have because you feel that maybe God could forgive me, but I, don't, I haven't changed. I don't change. I keep doing the same things over and over and over again, making the same mistakes, hearing a pastor say very clearly one Tuesday or Sunday something and doing the other, reading God's word, saying something very clearly and doing the exact opposite thing. And you can get discouraged, you can get hopeless, and and you can start maybe to believe what's even a more destructive lie, and it's this lie we're going to put up on the screen. It's that I'll never be able to change. I'll never be able to change. I'm just going to stay in this rut. I'm just going to keep making these same mistakes over and over and over and over again. And so right off the bat, I haven't let a lot of tension because I've said this is a liar, liar series. So you're going to know that, that I'm going to say that this is a lie, right? Y'all tracking with that? Like, that's not a secret. It's like, what? No, you know that I believe that's a lie. The Bible says that's a lie. And, and, and here's the truth to this lie right off the bat. Here's the truth. No, no. God can change you and he will change you with the power of the gospel. That, that's the reality. And so here's where I was left tonight. It's like, man, I, I love preparing to preach. I, I love it. But I think, man, every now and then it's good to hear from a different voice. And if y'all want to amen, that's fine. I won't be offended by that. Every now and then it's good to hear a different perspective. Um, and, and getting to know a lot of your stories, um, there are several of you that stuck out that would maybe be a really good example of this. But the guy I want to come up and share a story, y'all are going to know him, a very familiar faith. He probably says hi to you every time he gets a chance, um, is John Michael. We all give it up for John Michael as he comes up here tonight. <clears throat> Got your stool, bro, your trusty stool. Awesome, man. Hey, I want to tell you something I'm most excited about for John Michael to speak tonight is that I believe his story takes this lie of the devil and just absolutely demolishes it. What God has done in his life, you're like, bro, don't steal my thunder. I'm a problem with someone. Um, what I want to do is tell you, get go. what I love and I've given him permission to do is be 100% vulnerable and real with you. Because where we shine light, the devil can't be anymore, right? Where we shine light on, Satan's like, dang it. And so he's going to do that tonight, and I pray that it encourages you and, and, and frees you um, and, and tells you, shows you the truth of this, that God can change you. So I'm going to pray for him, for, for boldness, for peace, and that his story would be such a, a powerful thing for us tonight. Father, I thank you for John Michael. God, I thank you for his story. Um, I'm one of the only people that know it, and I'm just so excited for him to share it tonight. I pray that, God, you would, as I said, give him boldness, give him clarity, give him peace. 
And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just fall on this room upon us. Some of us need to be encouraged tonight in our rut that we're in. We feel stuck. Some of us don't know ever. We've never known the power of change. And, and some of us, man, we just need to be lifted up out of a really discouraging season. I pray that you'd use his story tonight. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this brother. Thank you that because of your grace, he became our brother. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm done. Thanks, you go for it. Thanks. Well, yeah, you guys know me. I'm John Michael. Um, some of you guys probably know some of my story. Uh, but I'm going to give a little bit of background information. Um, I'm from here. Um, kind of grew up in and out of the church a little bit. Um, when I was 12, I went to this little church revival at a church on the rock here in town. It was really awesome. I gave my life to Christ when I was 12. But at 12 years old also, like, I didn't think I really understood the capacity of what that meant. Like, what does it truly mean to give your life to Christ, you know? And I wasn't attending church after that night. I didn't continue to have um, a community or people to walk me through what that decision meant to me and what it looks like to, to follow God. You know, I knew who God was. I knew who Jesus was, and I accepted all of that. But I didn't know what to do after that. And so fast-forwarding a few more years um, past middle school, a few years in high school, I'm 16 years old, um, I meet this guy, his name's Enrique, he invites me to his church. I start going there, I start to understand who God is, I start to understand what worship is about and, and who I'm worshiping, and we both play saxophone, and he invited me to be part of the worship team with his brothers, himself and his mother, and so I was so excited, and it was, it was crazy for me to understand what it meant to give God glory, you know, I was giving him glory through my saxophone playing, you know, and I was trying to understand what scripture was trying to tell me. And so I was doing that for a few years. I continued to stay there for multiple years. But after I graduated high school, I moved out of my parents' place, got my own place with, with new roommates and friends, and I had this freedom. You know, I had this freedom to look for these things in the world and look for these things in my life to find fulfillment. Because at, at the time, I felt like I was just missing something. I had no idea what it was at the time. So I took a year off college and just worked and hung out with my friends and very much got involved in the party scene. And at the time, it didn't seem like anything of it because our society and our culture says, hey, you know, this is what you do when you graduate high school, when you're in college. You go do parties. You go and get drunk. You go and drink. And at parties, we, we experiment with these drugs. And I'm doing that. I'm like, there's nothing, nothing wrong with this because everybody here is doing this. This is what our culture says to do. This is what our society is doing. Everybody looks like they're having a good time. And so I start college the next year, and I'm still doing this. I'm still doing this. And I get this roommate who I work with, and he really gets me into habitually uh, smoking weed recreationally, like every single day. Like, I get home from class, and we get high together. I go to work, come back from work at midnight or 2 or 3 in the morning, we get high, go to bed. And I do the same thing, I rinse, repeat, every single day. The days we have off, we're just high all day long playing video games. And I'm like, you know, this is life right now. This is what everybody's doing. You know, I'm going to work, I'm going to school, and I'm doing these things. Passed by a year, he, he's graduating, he moves back to Missouri, and I'm like, you know, I don't need to continue to do these things because I only did it with him. But, like, my body and my mind was so used to doing these things that after he moved out, I continued to find myself just getting high by myself throughout the days. And then I go and move out and have different roommates, and the lifestyles are exactly the same. So I continue to to immerse myself in, in this lifestyle of drugs and partying. 
and I'm just so fe- feeling so unfulfilled, and I, I have no idea why. And so I take a second, and I look at my surroundings. I look at my group of friends, and I'm like, well, you know, a lot of people are in relationships. You know, all my guy friends have girlfriends. All of my lady friends have boyfriends. You know, they seem pretty happy. You know, maybe that's what I need. Maybe I need a girlfriend. You know, maybe physical intimacy or someone to share my time with and, and to get physical gratification is what I'm missing. And so I, I bring that into the equation, and I am not finding any more fulfillment. In fact, I'm feel, I feel worse because I'm putting all these things inside my body and in my life, and I'm still feeling empty. But at this point in my life, I have no idea what else to do. You know, and so I continue going down this path and living this life. And they were like on year three, year four of living this life. And I'm in like my last year and a half of college. And I start this, this unhealthy and holy relationship with this girl. And it is just built upon all the wrong things. It's built upon sleeping together and having sex and getting high together and going out and drinking together. And then after like the, the end of our relationship, I'm kind of learning and seeing myself as somebody I don't recognize. I see myself as acting as somebody I never thought I would have acted. You know, I don't have any kind of kindness towards her. I'm not patient with her. I'm not loving to her. I am this person who I just can't believe I've turned into. And so I'm kind of just evaluating myself and seeing what isn't going on in my life. And then I have this conversation with her and she just asked me like, why are you unhappy? Like, what is it? And I'm, I take a second, I'm like, you know, the only time I've experienced any kind of joy in my life was when I was worshiping God, when I was at church, when I was playing saxophone in the worship team to give God glory, when I was having Bible studies and I was learning about what God was talking to me about. I was talking to other people to see like, oh man, God taught me this. God's shown this to me. He revealed this to me. I'm like, oh my God, that's so awesome. Like that's when I experienced true joy. And so she told me to go and pursue that. And so I did, and it wasn't very long when I started focusing on my relationship with Christ, and I was praying more, and I was kind of being more studious in Scripture. And there was, I remember this day when I was praying to God, and I said, God, why am I doing these things? Why am I filling my life with all of these drugs, all these alcohol, and trying to find fulfillment in women? And he answered, and he said, you're looking for me. You're looking for my love. You're looking for my love in drugs. You're looking for my love in alcohol. You're looking for my love in women. You're looking for all this fulfillment, all this satisfaction in the world, and you're only going to find true satisfaction in me. And I remember I was, like, so excited because I was like, that's it? You know what I mean? Like, it's your love I've been looking for? And I was like, so I don't have to do with these things anymore. And so I told my girlfriend at the time, I was like, hey, God revealed this to me that I've been looking for his love And then I asked her, like, hey, can we stop sleeping together? Can we stop having sex? Can we stop doing drugs? Can we stop drinking and getting drunk together? And she said yes. But it was very evident that we had built a relationship and all those things. So when they were gone, like, our relationship fell apart. And it was evident that we were going to two different directions. And so we understood that it was was the healthiest thing for us to do was to break up. And so fast forward a couple of weeks to a month, and I'm trying to focus my relationship on God and what that means, you know, through prayer and through scripture reading. And I'm learning that I know his love is what I'm missing. I know his love is what I've been looking for my entire life. But I can't stop doing these drugs. I can't stop getting drunk. I can't stop wanting to find women to give me satisfaction because my body was used to that. I remember the first day of sobriety was the hardest thing I ever had to do because my body was so reliant on these things to function that I couldn't sleep 
I had no appetite to eat. I was so irritable where I couldn't even like interact with anybody because I was just so impatient and angry. And I woke up that next morning after that day of sobriety and I was, I felt hopeless because I was like, man, God, you revealed to me that your love is all I need and it's what I've been looking for. But I'm not gonna be able to beat this addiction. And he walked with me. He walked me through it. He taught me how, how to pray and have a relationship with him. He taught me how to be instant in prayer and those moments of temptation, those moments at night when all I wanted to do was text my drug dealer, have him drop some weed off so I could get high and go to bed. But he taught me how to be instant in prayer to say, God, give me peace right now. Give me self-control to say no. Give me satisfaction in who you are. Give me rest so that way I'm not up all night at turmoil with myself. And I'll wake up the next morning with another victory that God gave me. And I'm not gonna lie, this took four to five months of practicing this because I would have a day or two days and I would binge for a week or two weeks. And I have three to five days and I'd binge for a couple more weeks. And it was this constant back and forth and it was so easy to feel hopeless because I was like, God, I'm not making any progress. Like I am still in this pit. And he, I understood his forgiveness because I was able to sit back and see all the times when I was running away from him and how long I was running from him. But he still forgave me and he was there for me. He never left me. But then somebody taught me the importance of what repentance was. Nobody had told me like repentance is turning your back on these things of the world and then turning your eyes on him. And so he taught me repentance. He said, every moment when you're instant in prayer and these temptations, you're gonna turn your eyes away from those things of the world. And you're gonna turn your eyes on, on me to give you whatever it is you need to get through it. And so fast forward to five months, you know, it's the end of September, I am binging really hard. And then October's coming up and I'm like, you know, God, I really feel like this month of October is gonna be the month that I, I get this month of sobriety. And so October 1st comes around the corner and I'm praying. I am using all the, the ways that God has taught me to have a relationship with him. I am meditating on him day and night. I am instant in prayer. I am worshiping him like every single day. Cause I remember I missed some church and I was upset that I missed church. And God was like, can you only worship me on Sundays? Like you can worship me every single day. And so I took that and I'm using all these ways to stay connected to God, to continue a relationship with him. And November 1st comes and I'm like, I can't believe I just got a month. And then he keeps pushing me and he keeps walking with me. And December 1st comes, it's been two months. And then one of my best friends, Cade Meredith, some of you guys know him. You know, I was talking to him about this and I was like, man, I just feel really alone. I don't feel like I have a lot of community and fellowship. And so he invited me here to Southcrest. And I've been here ever since because you guys are so opening and welcome. You guys encourage me and love me and point me back to God. And then more months come along and I'm more involved in the journey ministry and the venue. And I'm meeting up with people for coffee. I'm doing discipleship stuff. God is doing all these wonderful things in my life. Fast forward more to a year later in October, and I'm in the mountains, New Mexico, at the retreat, at the journey. And I cannot believe what God's already done in my life a whole year later. But it's such a bittersweet moment because I'm surrounded by all these people. I'm in the mountains, like enjoying God's creation. But there's this thought in the back of my head. I'm like, what's the point? Like I have a year of sobriety, but what's the point, you know? And then God later is going to reveal how he's gonna use my testimony and how he's changed my life to encourage others and show others the hope. 
because I've shared a, a story with you guys on in the venue a couple weeks ago about how I was able to talk to this guy about how God walked with me through sobriety. And I said, God's done this. This is the power of Jesus. This is what power of prayer. This is what having relationship is like. This is what giving up your life for Christ does. You give up your life so you can have life in him, you know? And so now I'm up here talking to you guys and there's so much hope for you guys who already know Christ because if some of you guys can, can have similar stories where you feel like there's this sin or this thing you're stumbling over all the time and you're coming back to God, you're like, God, why am I still stumbling over this? Like, I love you. I know you forgive me, but why would you forgive me if I go right back to my mess? But he does and he has grace. And I think for me, experiencing that grace and that love just made me crumble because I'm like, I can't believe our God is like that. Our God is that loving. You know, my God never left me and all the times where I just ignored him and I ran from him. And it's the same thing for you guys. You guys continue to have forgiveness. And if you trust in him, he will transform you. He will change you. Like to this day, you know, I'm 17 months sober. This April will be, have been two years since I've had sex. And I, God's given me the confidence that I know those things won't change. I know I will continue to have that victory because I've looked to God for that victory every single day. And for those of you who, you know, you're like, I don't know, man, like, I don't know about God. I don't know if I believe in him or, you know, I've had these interactions with the church. I've had these interactions with people that go to church who were just so hateful or so mean, you know, and they said these things, they hurt me. And my response is I'm not surprised because nobody in here is perfect. We are not perfect, you know, but God is perfect. God, his love is perfect. His love does not fail. He is always going to be there to pick you back up when you fall. Whenever somebody else hurts you and you say, God, why do they hurt me? you pray for them. You know, there's, there's not, nothing else you can do. You just kind of just move on. And it's all about you and your relationship with Christ. And it's, it's hard for me to continue to wrap my head around that our God loved us so much that he sent his only son. And it's John 3, 16. He sent his only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That our, our actions today require a sacrifice. They require consequences. But Paul says in Romans there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So as we continue to walk and we continue to stumble, we're, we're washed clean through Christ, that God came down here, Jesus came down here, he died, he paid for our sins, for the debt that we could never pay, he paid for that with his death, and three days later, he rose, he rose, and then that is, that is the power, that is the new life, that is the spirit that we get to have in us every single day when we feel like we can't continue to go. We can't win this because we cannot win this. We cannot white knuckle it up. We can't pull our bootstraps and beat our sin ourselves. We have to let God's spirit come in us and give us that victory. And so for all of you guys, that is the hope I have for, for you guys in this room who already know Christ. I know sometimes it can seem hopeless, but this race that we have is not for the strongest or the fastest. It's for the one who endures to the end. And you just keep walking with Christ He's going to continue to show himself and reveal himself to you. He's going to grow you more like him. And for those of you who are unsure, like this is, this is the gospel. This is what God is. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus came here to do. He gave, came here to give us new life. And we have that readily available through his spirit. And I just want to thank you so much for, for who you guys are and for running this race with me right now in the season. And 
<laughs> that, that, that's it, guys. <laughs> Give me a hug, bro. You got to give that man a hug after that. Hey, I'm going to ask if the band can go ahead and, and come up real quick. Yeah, I think a lot of us think you're like, okay, sermon part two. Here goes Cole. No, we're wrapping it up tonight. And I, th- I think a lot of people think that God just merely saves us from our sin. And okay, we're good. We think of, we walk around all the time thinking that God's about half mad at us and okay, well, at least God forgives me. So we, we settle for neutrality with God. Okay, good. As, as long as I'm not going to hell, right? And what we forget, God doesn't save us just from our sin. He saves us to something. He saves us to himself and new life and transformation. The transformation for John Michael began at the cross, God pushed him into the end of himself where he looked up and he saw Jesus, like he said, who who died for his sins, who then, amen, brother, the victory, the power, he rose from the dead. And so some of us, I've said this before, and what I want you to hear tonight is, man, God not only has a power just to forgive you and save you from your sin, he he wants to transform you. Ephesians 2.10 literally says that he already has good works for you to walk in. He has a new life for you to walk in. And so I say this all the time. Some of us are still at the cross. We haven't, we haven't gone over to the empty tomb and seen Jesus risen. Oh, my sin, but thank, thank, thank goodness Jesus forgave me. I'm like, yeah, there's three days later, friend. The tomb is empty. Like you're, it, It's now you can walk in victory. That's what this life is about. And I love how he articulated it. That's the Christian life of life. When we're getting that sin and we get in that pit, it's not that necessarily not a believer if we believe in Jesus we've forgotten the reality of the victory of the empty tomb that's what happens when we're living in our sin when we're dwelling in it again when we when we backslide and I just wonder for a lot of you tonight I like I hope that that's a breath of fresh air that's you and maybe if you're in Christ if you know you believe in the gospel when you're struggling you would stop doubting your salvation and start trusting in the goodness and power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's what I want for you that's what I long for you because I've tried that he tried that it doesn't work and and I hope that maybe tonight that you thought "Mm, I I want me some of that empty tomb power (laughs) I want some of that and maybe you thought I don't I don't believe that lie anymore I, I, I can change little by little you know what the beauty of it is I don't think that he will but if John Michael ever lapsed God would not love him a milliounce less yes a milliounce I think that's a measurement alright let's say it is <laughs> I'm a pastor not a scientist or a mathematician sorry story like cool you go good for a week and then you backslide you watch that thing you get back in that relationship you do things you know you should etc 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 and you give up that's um that's what makes grace amazing it's not just grace it's amazing grace it doesn't only save you it transforms you little by little by little and guess what it's a win-win situation we will one day totally become like Christ in heaven. We will become perfect. But even right now, every step that we take towards 
is becoming a little bit more like him. So the tension is we will become more like him. So live like him now. That's the beauty of the tension. That's also part of my sermon this Sunday. So just forget that. And the fact like you heard it fresh for the first time, wasn't planning on saying that. Hey, you guys, would you bow your heads for a few minutes? Guys, I'm going to go and drop the lights down. I don't know. There are probably a few things that he shared that, that could be outdone by other bad, great sins. But man, I, our brother up here just wanted God to use him and be vulnerable and share his mess and how God took that mess and made something beautiful. And so tonight, what I want you to do is consider that maybe the Spirit of God wanted you to hear vulnerability so that you might step into some vulnerability, that you might allow light to shine. I'm not asking for specific things. I'm not asking this, but all I want to know is if you're in a place right now where you really do want to change. And maybe tonight God is just stirring in your heart that he has the ability to change that. I'm not saying that you have to look up. I'm not saying you have to tell me what it is. But if you're like, I'm ready for the Holy Spirit of God to start changing me and working in me and transforming my life tonight, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand and say, man, I'm ready to start experiencing the life-changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I, I've been in the cross and, and he's called me to the empty tomb as well. I'm, I'm ready for this. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And, and hands raised in the air and those whose maybe your hand is raised in your heart because that's a terrifying thing to do. Y'all can go ahead and put your hands down. Guess what? As surely as your hand raised, he will finish the work that he started in you. He will do it because he is awesome and he's powerful and he's good. And he's amazing. What I want you to do in the next minute or so, you know the very things or maybe one huge thing in your life God, I need you by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the gospel. I need you to change this. This has been weighing me down too long. I, I know victory is available through you, Christ. I want you to nail in that thing. I want you to zone in on it right now. And as you zone in on that thing, I want you to picture in your mind, in the backdrop of whatever that thing is, I want you to see the cross. I want you to see Jesus dying for that very thing. And then what I want you to do I want you to look and see the empty tomb. And then I want you to see Jesus walking next to you, nail-scarred hands. And he's saying, I'm ready to walk with you through this. If you're ready, I want to do it. And I want you to zone in on that thing. And I want you to give that to Christ tonight. I'll give you a few moments and the band will lead us. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.